Hello and welcome to Level Up with Shay. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Sam Valentine. Sam is best known as One Broke Actress. She has the One Broke Actress blog, podcast, YouTube, Patreon, and all the social medias. She moved to LA right after college with a theater degree and in her words, with more conviction than she had dollars. I know what that feels like. She created One Broke Actress because she saw a need for stories and advice from real working actors. On social media, she has always seen actors when they booked a job or got an audition or got repped by an agent, but never what they did like 100 plus hours the rest of the time. She says the career path is crazy AF, but that doesn't mean you have to be. So if you're an aspiring actor, go listen to her podcast and follow her on social media. She is also the CEO of a new women-focused podcast production company called Fast Forward Productions. In this episode, we talk about her high and sort of outlandish expectations of moving out to LA to pursue acting, how she continues to refocus on her acting when she gets off track here and there, why she believes having a side hustle as an actor or any artist is a must, how she has throughout the years figured out that she is deserving of rest and how slowing down has helped her realize what she really wants out of life. I had so much fun talking with Sam and this episode is jam packed with such great nuggets and I hope you enjoy it. Please welcome to Level Up with Shay, Sam Valentine. Hello everyone and welcome to Level Up with Shay. I'm so excited for today's guest. I watch her Instagram videos and all of her content, her podcasts, new YouTube video. She's an actor, podcaster, business owner slash entrepreneur. Not sure what that label is, but welcome, Sam Valentine. Ah, Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I kind of see me in you in that you are the broke actress And I'm a comedian and I'm an actor as well. And, you know, podcaster, entrepreneur slash business owner, all of that. And so I really get a lot of like inspiration from your, Mm -hmm. from your podcast and your content because you're showing the real side, right? Like you're going as an actor and you're showing the real side. So yeah, so I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you. I mean, listen, I'm so glad that um, (laughs) I'm... The, the actor world and, you know, I'm sh- it's similar for comedy and like everything, like it's all, it's all like really hard to understand what people are doing when you don't see them working. Yeah. Uh, and when you realize how little time you actually spend on a paid job, uh, it's like, well, what, what is everyone else doing with the rest of their time? And so yeah. I'm, I am, I am very invested with being, and then once I realized that everyone else was doing what I was doing, I was like, oh, why aren't they talking about it? So I'm very glad that it provides some help to you and whoever else can find it. Yeah. Yeah. I just interviewed somebody else the other day and and the guy was like, you know, everybody wants to get to this full-time artist thing. And he's like, people say that. And he's like, okay, I have a gig tonight. It's going to be an hour. It's like, what am I going to do with the other 23 hours a day? Um, So I'm like, oh, that's so true. Um, So I kind of want to start, I I usually start like at the beginning of one's journey in their art. Mm -hmm. So you got a BFA, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I uh, did, I, I mean, I grew up in like a lot of small towns. I grew up in like towns, the suburbs, small towns outside of big towns. 
In Missouri, right? I grew up in Missouri, in Oklahoma, in Illinois, and like all over all these little places in Kansas. And we were always like big town adjacent, but like 45 minutes ish away. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my dad changed jobs a lot. So we moved all the time. And so my, in in small towns, it's hard to understand uh, theater or any art to be truly honest in most yeah. of them. And so I did what I could in high school, you know, we did like plays in the cafe gymatorium and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when I said I wanted to do it and study it in college, thank God my parents were so supportive because that was a really big leap because we didn't know anyone who did art as a job. We didn't know yeah. anyone who did any of this professionally. So to say, I want to do something you've never seen in real life, except for the 1% you see on TV. And for my parents to go, all right, that was a like, I don't know how it would have changed if they would have been like, no. So I auditioned actually at University of Illinois, uh, which was like my, I was like, this is the school. And I floundered. I I don't Mm. like, I blacked out. I barely remember it. I definitely did a scene that was, I did a monologue that was from a play that I definitely didn't read because I didn't know any better because no one taught me that I'd never really auditioned before, except with people who knew me, which is totally different. And so, you know, to go and do that was really, (laughs) it it was a, that was a big bomb. And so I got really shy about it. I was like, well, maybe Mm. I'm not ready. Maybe I should just be a teacher. Maybe I should Mm. teach theater. So then I applied to Missouri State as a uh, a theatrical. I wanted to teach theater. So it was a BA. And then um, I took all the theater classes and all that was left was the teaching ones. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I don't want to do this. Yeah. So I uh, switched my major again. So it was like my second or third major switch at that school mm-hmm. and joined the acting program late. And yeah, I did uh, four years of study. So I had like a bonus year of college. Uh, and then within graduating, I was like, okay, bye, made it out to LA immediately. Okay. And then I learned um, that my BFA program, although it had prepared me to understand character and like plays and like movement and all this fun stuff, uh, the one class I had that was one credit that was for acting on camera was no match for the business mm. that I wanted to enter. Yeah, wow, wow. That's so interesting that you almost went to be a teacher. Yeah. Because you know what? I'd seen people teach acting. Mm -hmm. I'd seen, I was like, well, maybe I'll just do like plays at middle schools and high schools and I'll just like help them. But when it got right down to it, I realized that I only wanted to do that because that was the only correlation I had to that business was people doing it community theaters and people doing it like high school and middle school at like a very low production level. And I assumed that that was all I was capable of doing because that's all I'd ever witnessed. Yeah, I'm from a very small town in Illinois. So which like, town? Uh, Shipman is the where name. is Shipman? It's like by Alton. Oh, I'm very familiar with. Alton. I worked at. I don't know if you're from. I worked at a summer camp in uh, southern Illinois, out of sight of Carbondale, called Camp Onmasong. Yeah, uh, yeah. For like oh, 10 I don't years. know that camp, but okay. Yeah, yeah. So I know what area you're you're talking about, and it's it's so true. It's like we gravitate towards things that we surround ourselves with. And when we're kids, we can't help our environment. That's just, yeah, we're just there. Yeah. Which I mean, really makes you think twice about the content we consumed and anybody who was not straight, white, cisgender, middle-class, right? Because that was all, especially when we were young, I don't know how old you are, but like I'm in my approaching my mid thirties. And, uh, you know, I only saw like little blonde Disney kids and Mm -hmm. there was not a lot of anything else. 
And so I can't imagine how much harder this world is for people who are, if any, oppressed group. Yeah, totally. And so you went to to L.A. around like 22, 23? Yes. Yeah, I was 22 when I moved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went. I, I mean, I lived in L.A. I'm in Atlanta now. I've been here oh, for great. two years and I, I lived in L.A. for five years before that. So I love L.A. Um, so did you during that time, did you just like work restaurant jobs and kind of those those things to pay the bills? Yeah. Yeah. I had a very unrealistic expectation that, that I think a lot of us have that it was when everyone said how hard it was, how complicated it was. And I was like, that's cool for you, but I'm special. And people are going to be like, where have you been? And I'm going to show up and I'm going to be like, I have a BFA. I'm classically trained. I'm cute. I'm this and that. And I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. So can you, you can curse, right? You curse. Yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> I always say it first and then ask. Yeah. Um, so once I started, once I got to LA, I was like, great. And action, like, let's go Hollywood. Like, how do I, I've always figured out, like I I study the system and then I figure out what my in is. And then I figure Mm -hmm. it out, like, I, cause I moved so much. So like when I went to a new school, I would like observe for a while and figure out what kids did what and who was Mm -hmm. who. And then I would kind of insert myself into situations where I was like, I feel like I fit here and this is my thing. So I was like, I can take that to LA. LA is a lot bigger town than like yeah. Columbia high school. So mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the work of like observing the world and figuring out my place in it was seemed very insurmountable. So I got here, found a roommate while I was still in college. I did a senior showcase out here, which is an amazing thing that my program did. Thank God. So I had a reason to come to LA from that showcase. I had an agent who didn't attend, but saw my headshots and called me in and repped me, uh, decided to rep me commercially. And I was like, I'm still in Springfield, Missouri. Can I call you when I get to LA? And so, uh, I signed with them Mm -hmm. and I had a meeting with a manager from that as well, from that showcase. And I took all of them and I signed with everyone, everyone who wanted me out took them. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, but I didn't understand like what to do from there. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, spent a week eating, um, oatmeal and peanut butter because it was cheap and I could afford it. And I was always afraid of my car, like running out of gas on the highway. So I was Mm -hmm. very cognizant of my surroundings, but like, like I said, before I moved, I found a roommate on roommates.com, moved into their house signed with these people and then found jobs. And that was when you found jobs on Craigslist almost Mm. exclusively. Yeah. And so I found restaurant jobs. I was a server and a hostess at a pool and a hotel in LA called the Sunset Marquee. Very nice hotel. And I flailed about and thank God that I had people like, there's an actress named Ashley Platts who is phenomenal. And she was a hostess at the restaurant as well. And she basically took me under her wing and was like, Hey, the place you're living is really shitty. Mm. <laughs> Let's figure this out. Here's yeah. And she made me a list on like a hostess notepad of like, here's places you can live. And then the next shift, she was like, here's the websites you go to to find auditions. And that like, so she was the first person to be like, here's how you do this, just so mm. you know. Because no one else was talking. Everyone I meet was like, ah, oh, it's just, you figure it out. And I was like, right, but like, where do you get an audition? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Because my agents and reps like weren't, they had like a little bit of something for me, but like, I was like, what about film? What about TV? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I flailed about 
significantly for a very long period of time. I had like five or six jobs of different types. Like I worked every single job you could imagine in this business. I was a tube shot girl at one point. I worked in like, you know, like I worked in a toy store. I worked mm-hmm. in a, you know, I restaurant jobs, bartending jobs. I, uh, if you, if I could find someone who would pay me for it, I did it. Yeah. I, was, I did so much work like that. So why do you feel like you moved around so much? Was there a reason? When I, from job to job? Yeah. I think it's the same reason that I like acting is I'm like interested in learning a new side of the world. Mm -hmm. So whether it's an acting project or whether it's a new job, like, oh, like a meal prep chef. I could be the girl who's a meal prep chef. I can figure this out. I want to know what that lifestyle is. So I'm very interested in like dipping my toe into all the different ponds. And, you know, everywhere I went there, you know, you tell people you can do something in LA and they'll pay you to do it. (laughs) Like, it's crazy, you know? Um, And so I was like, I think I could be a professional dog walker. And I was like, okay, cool. So I'm going to go try out that lifestyle. Like, okay, great. Then from there, I was like, I really love moving as a job. I think I want to, let me test out like being a fitness instructor. And so I got like Pilates certified Mm. um, and all these different things I was just trying. But at the same time, I will say, I think I spent a lot of time jumping from job to job and learning new skills because it was an immediate validation. Whereas with acting, I wasn't get any of, I wasn't getting any of that immediate validation. So I think I let the financial aspect of my life take over yeah. a lot of my time as opposed to the work that I could have been putting in my acting and just putting in the day to day. Yeah, that's so good because I I just relate to that. I worked at Starbucks. I cleaned out a guy's garage every couple of weeks, like <laughs> just just very random jobs yeah. going from job to job. And yeah, I think it's like, oh, oh, I can, you know, I again, another guy that I interviewed, he's like, focus on your day job to fund your art, your yes. career. And I never, I never focused on that. I was always like, Oh, I have to go to this day job. And then I go do my thing at night or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you can, that can become, you know, you watch when people say in LA, like time disappears. Like it, I, I was like, how is that? Like, what do you guys mean? Like it's so, and because of there is weather in LA, I hate when people are like, there's no weather. I'm like, yes, there is. It's, it's like, there's chillier seasons and colder seasons, yeah. just like hotter seasons, but just not as extreme as other places. But because of that, there are days where I walk outside and I'm like, is it school season? Cause I live down the street from a school and I'm like, is yeah. school in session right now? Oh, it's June. No, no, no. They're not in session right now. Mm-hmm. Like I have to kind of mentally check myself. And yeah. so I think if you're running around, just trying to find the next moneymaker, the thing that like will help you like find stability, without giving any credence to your career pursuit that you do completely lose track of time. Yeah, oh, totally. I love that. And moving to, uh, I mean, making money, you said on a podcast recently, you said you'll die on the hill of having a side hustle. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Right. I love that you heard right. that. Yes. <laughs> because everyone has multiple streams of income and as yeah. actors, we call them side hustles, but mm-hmm. like a side hustle doesn't have to be babysitting or an MLM, right? Like people own real estate as a second stream of income. Like celebrities do Instagram uh, collaborations and posts and uh, all this stuff as streams of income. And I, I don't know a single person who is successfully working as an actor who doesn't do also something else, yeah. even if they're like highest paying, they do like a heavy load of, of volunteer work then or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Or yeah. 
they're writing a screenplay with someone else or they're consulting or they're coaching or they're, and they might not display it, right? Mm -hmm. They might not talk about it. And like, I'm just captain of the ship of talking about every aspect of my life, but everyone is doing it. And that, you know, what is the, the average millionaire has what, like seven streams of income? What's Mm. that overused phrase? Um, And I don't know how you could make sustainable money in acting without different streams of income because like, there are things that we don't talk about. Like I just heard, I don't know if you listen to Audrey Helps Actors, but she's a great mm. podcast. And she was talking about on an episode today that there is a cap on the amount of money you make in a project that goes towards your SAG health insurance. Mm. So if you are collecting residuals from the same show for 10 years and you hit that cap of amount of money that can pay to your health insurance, it'll cut off. So you have to have yeah. other, like either acting jobs to stream that, or you have to have outside funds. Yeah. So it's like, you can never, you know, there's never, what, like, also what a boring life if you're always just waiting for someone else to give you a yeah. permission to make money. Like, I don't know yeah. how people, I don't know how you could live like that. So I think yep. yeah. there is also, I think because the reason I am so prominent about talking about this is because when I moved here, everyone's answer to the question, what do you define as success was making their income solely off of acting. Mm. And they said, everyone said it, everyone said it all the time. I said it. I remember I had a mm-hmm. five-year plan with my, yeah. with my college that we had to fit. Like it was like our basic part of our yeah. thesis to graduate. And I was like, within five years, I will make my money solely off of acting. First of all, <laughs> what? (laughs) Second of all, like, that's not true. And no one does it. So I want to like rid us of the idea of like being a working actor means only making money off of acting because that's just not a true sustainable plan. Yeah. And that's so interesting because then we want to get out of this nine to five, you know, actors don't want to be in the nine to five, one income stream. And then we're like, oh, we want to make all of our income from acting. It's like, we're doing the same thing. It's just with another career. A hundred percent. We're putting all the eggs in a basket being like, this is the thing. Yeah. (laughs) So when did you discover, you know, to actually start building a side hustle, not just as a dog walker, babysitter, actually building your side hustle? I don't know what that was, if that was your podcast, your blog. Yeah. So yeah. When did you start thinking about that and building that? I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. I mm-hmm. ne- never in a million years. I was like always, I want to work for someone else so I can know when to check in and when to check out and like be done with my work. I was not interested in running my own business. Cut to getting into my 30s and realizing that there all the side jobs I had felt like they had a cap on them in terms of how long I could continue to do them to sustain my acting career. So even though this is just, hundred percent in my brain and no one told me this, I thought I cannot babysit much longer and still take myself seriously. Is that true? Absolutely not. People make really good living off of childcare. So like it's complete bullshit that I told myself, but it felt like there was a cap on how long I could continue to do it. So I was trying to find an exit strategy. I was really miserable. I was really, I was working And it also was not enough to sustain my life without working multiple other jobs. So I had four or five jobs at one point and I was drowning and I didn't know it. Um, I was that like frog in the pot that you turn up the temperature by one degree. And like, I didn't know that I was boiling. I didn't know that I was going under. And to be honest, there was not a point where I was like, this has to stop and I'm stopping it. What stopped me was the pandemic. 
Mm. What stopped me was 2020 because for the first time ever, everyone was on the same trajectory and everyone was doing the same thing. And that had not been happened my entire career. Also, the government assistance of that extra money for unemployment made it possible that I didn't have to, for the first time, spend a lot of free time working or searching for work. So, you know, I hate I hate saying this because there's so much to it that is so tragic and sad and traumatic. But the pandemic, all in all, for my effects and purposes, changed my life for the better because for the first time I stopped and looked around and I was like, what do I actually want my life to be? Where do I actually want to go? What do I want to do? Where do I want to put my time, energy and money? And obviously acting stuck out the most. And then the second thing that stuck out the most was I have this side project that I run for free for actors, one broke actress. And it was a podcast and like the platform, but it was pretty small at that point. And it had never occurred to me that that could make money. Because to me, to earn money in the acting world meant I needed to be booking a lot of acting work. Like I needed to earn the right to give advice to actors. I didn't mm. know anything until I was like a series regular or like yeah. whatever the, the fake bar I had set in my head. Mm. I didn't feel like I was there. And I didn't feel like it was attainable. And I realized in the pandemic when no one was working for a couple months I was like, well, we're all doing the same thing. So why don't I talk about that? Mm. And so I started to my next podcast season all about like, what do we do now? How do we pivot? Where do we go from here? And having extra time to work on One Broke Actress expanded its reach so much that it expanded my acting career because then Mm. I was meeting and talking to other new people and learning things myself and I realized that there was a place where I could turn this into somewhat of a profitable business for those who wanted it, which would then free up more time for me. And that means I could spend more time giving more free stuff back, right? Because it's an equilibrium. In the pandemic also, I ha- my friend had a podcast as well. And I had had one broke actress for four years, I think, in 2020. And she she asked, she's like, I have, I have too much going on. Will you just like run my podcast for me? I think she paid me like 20 bucks an hour. She was like, is this like, uh, uh, is it insulting to ask you to run my podcast? I was like, no, I'm so bored. Like, please give me this work. And while I was doing it, I was like, this is really fun. I was like, Hey, I have an idea. If you started doing podcasts like this, like we could pivot and add this and we could do that. And I had a bunch of ideas of how it would work. And, uh, then someone else came to me and was like, Hey, will you give me advice on my podcast? And I was like, Oh, wait a second people are coming to me for this. Is this a job? Can you make this a job? Like, but I'm not an audio engineer. Don't you have to be an audio engineer to make money for editing and running people's podcasts? You don't. (laughs) Once Mm -hmm, again, mm -hmm. if you are good at something and you know it, people will pay you to do that job. And you can self-teach yourself in the college of YouTube and you can figure it fucking out. So I started to take on podcast clients. And over the past two years, my friend, Ashley, who asked me to do her podcast, we've worked together for so long and we were college roommates and all of this stuff. And she runs businesses and she asked if I wanted to start a podcast production company. And I was like, there's no way. I don't know the first thing about a business. She was like, what if we just took what you were doing now? And like, we put a website and a structure in place for it. And so the more we built it up, the more we realized this is really legitimate. And now we have different offers. And so now my side like work beyond acting is podcast production and one broke actress. 
So because of that, because of the pandemic, because I had time to work on other things and figure it out and time to stop and think about what I really wanted my day-to-day life to look like, I realized I really like working at home. We have three Mm -hmm. dogs. So, you know, we realized, I was like, I, I want to do stuff that I can do on my own time so that I can put acting first. And that took a lot more runway of time than I thought to put the structure in place to figure out what it was to make enough money in order to siphon off some of the workload. So I could move acting up. I'm just now figuring out my day-to-day schedule, but having the time to sit and think about like, I would like to not work until 10 PM at night. I would like to finish around five or six and walk my dogs. And like, I really like having dinner with my husband at home. I really like doing stuff in pockets of time that I like. I like moving at this kind of pace. I like working with clients. I like, and I don't like X, Y, and Z. And taking the time to put that all together has resulted in where I am now, which is um, I'm running the podcast production company. I'm the CEO where I just do a lot of work with clients. And I now have an assistant who does the editing work. Mm. It frees up a lot of my time. I make less money because I pay her, but it's rad and I love it. And One Broke Actress now has workshops we do for new actors to teach them how to survive as an actor. It's not acting. It's like, this is how much it costs to be an actor. This is how much time it might take you to start working. This is what working actually looks like. And we go through all of the basics um, in the Working Actor Workshop. I have a Patreon that has like monthly work and study halls. And, you know, all of these things were built out of like, the first thing I did was create an actor dictionary. Mm. I was like, this is important. This is all yeah. fact. This has nothing to do with my opinion. So I feel safe sending it out into the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so in creating the actor dictionary with, I had other people proofread it and stuff. That was the first thing I did. And it sold like gangbusters. Mm. I was like, oh, people, people want to buy stuff from me. <laughs> oh. And so, you know, I have a lot of imposter syndrome for getting money from actors. So everything I do is very centered around knowing how much money and time and energy we have to spend and give. And so, yeah, that's kind of where it exists now. That was a very long answer to that question. Did I answer it all? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I also relate to that because the pandemic before that, I was working retail and that just stopped. Yeah, it, it, it was. And yeah, I mean, nine to like eight at night, you know, 9am to eight at night. It's awful. Yeah. (laughs) And you have to do that to like make ends meet, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And then the pandemic happened. And then eventually a couple of months later, I decided to move out to Atlanta. And then I worked with a life coach. I was like his, his right hand person, like doing it, learning so much. Um, But then also getting into podcasting because I do have my own podcast and I'm like, I know how to do this. People need their podcast edited. So I I just relate to that a lot. And it it was because of the pandemic and Mm -hmm. it caused us to, again, slow down. And it's like, oh, wait, what do I like? You know, you said you like to stop your day at 5 p.m. Like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Whereas Mm -hmm. before you work your day job, then you go and do spend the rest of your time on your art, what you want to do in your career. And like where you can fit it in, right? With like what little energy you might have left. Yes. Yeah. Just like packing everything in. Um, So you talk about like being career focused Mm -hmm. Um, because sometimes as, as entertainers or actors, we want the magic pill. We -hmm. want to get from where we are right now to where we want to be like that. Yeah. So I kind of want to know just your perspective of like 
why? What is that? Like, is it, is it part of us? Like, we just want to be loved. We want attention. We want, um, you know, to be famous. Like, what is that? And how can we be more career focused Mm. rather than just like this gig focused or, you know, the next, the next audition, the next job, how can we really build our career? Cause it, like Mm -hmm. you said, it's the long runway. And so we have to, we have to start small. Yeah. I mean, I want to preface this by saying I'm still figuring this out, right? Like this is still a constant battle for me as well. But I, I strongly believe that we are taught to seek out validation in every aspect of our lives as humans. So when you're a lawyer, right, your validation often comes in the promotion and the payment and the raise and the next big client and all that stuff. Yeah. So you get outward validation. When you're an actor, none of those things come linearly. Sometimes people come out here and they book their first big job and like shit blows up. That's like the 2% of people. I would say the rest of us though see that and we're like, oh, that's what we want to do. But that doesn't happen. And so when it doesn't happen, we panic. And then in the panic, we're searching for more validation and like the onset of social media being like, I booked a job, look at me on set, look at my post. And then you get a credit and then it's like, boom, boom, boom. And then when, when that happens, like when people book a co-star and they're like, yes, I finally got one. I am validated. I have done good work. I deserve this. I am a good working, I am officially a working actor. And then a lot of times nothing happens. Mm-hmm. I would say most time nothing happens because a co-star, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. It feels good because it's official and you're on a real big set and it's exciting. But like casting directors are not out there like, I want to find the next big co-star. Right? <laughs> and listen, there's tons of fun stories where someone was on a co-star and then they were like, this is so fun, let's bring them back. And then it became a thing and a thing and a and it, build, it yeah. built. But mm-hmm. that's the exception and not the rule. And as yeah. artists, we keep striving to be the exception and not the mm-hmm. rule. And I think it puts us at a bad playing field because it makes us not realize this is a business and not a magical fairy dust of a dream. And as you get older, right? Like I am, like I said, I'm mid thirties and now I've been doing this for 11 years. And I realized it's no longer like, am I going to do it? Am I going to do this thing? It's like, no, I'm doing it. I just might have years that are down and years that are up. And Mm. some of those up years might look really good from the outside And then the down years, I cannot share because it's so dark because I'm like, well, I haven't had an audition in four months. And like, what Mm -hmm. do I do? So One Broke Actress is cool because I'm like, hey guys, I haven't had an audition in four months. You want to talk about it? Anybody else feel this way? What'd you do to get out of it, right? Like it's less of a shadowy place, but it gets so, being on a set feels like you've been gifted a thing. And most actors that I know who haven't really done a ton of work would do it for free just because they love the work so much. But that we can't do that for free if we want to be it as a business. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing I learned with like doing a business. It's like, I have to raise my prices. I have to do this. I have to do that. Because sustainability-wise, you have to if you want to. Got to feed my dogs. Mm-hmm. Got to fill, fill the kitchen with food. Got to pay for my gym. Got it, whatever it is. So you have to look at it as a business. When you start to look at it as a business, it sucks. <laughs> Because nobody was like, I want to be an actor because I love a spreadsheet, because I love corporate America, because I love to like, you know, none of us, none of us want that job. But there are aspects of it where you, if you you don't treat it like a business, everyone else behind the scenes is. 
casting, production. Yes, they are art-minded, but they still have to pay their bills. So they're treating it like a business. And if you're treating it like a sparkly dream, then it's not going to translate. And like I said, there's exceptions to this, but I think you really have to, you really have to try to not be the exception, right? Mm-hmm. You have to learn, yeah, the craft. Yes, we love that part. Yeah. We love learning the craft. We love doing, like most actors I know now relatively do well self-tapes. Like we have coaches, we have all this, but also do you have the structure in place for your day-to-day life to continue doing this for five or six years without getting a paycheck? And then when you do get that paycheck, what do you plan to do with it? Where is it going to go? Because like, when we get really real, I have a post coming out about this soon. A co-star pays $1,056. After taxes and fees, it's like 720 something bucks. Oh. That's like two months of acting class. Yeah. And like you put in like five years to book yep. that. Yeah. So <laughs> what structure do you have in place to continue to play this game? And I think once you realize it is not about the next gig, but it's about the next 10 years, that's when I think you're starting to play professional ball. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I'm still figuring this out. I'm still figuring this out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting too with, you know, for me, I'm level up with Shay. Like I I want to share with people the lessons I'm learning and like, Hey, this is what I've done. It may not work for you. I'm still figuring this out. It's super important to like put that out there. So people aren't like, she's a know-it-all. Right. And you know, Here's the thing. Whenever we judge someone else's success or trials and tribulations, it really, you know, the call is coming from inside the house, right? Like that's yeah. more about us yeah. than it is about them. But at the same time, there's just, it's, I think it's just the most beautiful thing to look at that as a resource and be like, yes. oh, interesting. Like take, take what fits for you and like leave the rest. Like I'm not yeah. going to have the same career as you, but that doesn't mean that you haven't done something I can't learn from. Yes. Well, I want to ask about slowing down. So uh, I listened to a podcast you were on. You were talking about your Enneagram. Mm-hmm. You're an achiever. I'm a three. Yes. I'm a three. Okay. <laughs> um, and I, I haven't taken the quiz or Oh, test, you got to take it. I, I'm pretty sure I'm an achiever. <laughs> like <laughs> just hearing how you work, I'm like, that sounds like me. Um, so a couple of things like, when do you know you need to slow down? Because you want to mm. do all of these things. I read on one of your posts, it may have been an older one, but it was mm. like, you know, I have the weekends off. So I kind of take that off. And then I saw, I want to talk about your YouTube in a bit, but yeah. now you're recording your vlogs on YouTube on the weekends. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. <laughs> so taking that off time and filling mm-hmm. it in with stuff. Um, so yeah, how do you know when you need to slow down? And like, when do you know when you want to work on something? Mm Because sometimes it's eight o'clock at night and I'm like, yes, I want to do this thing until 10 and then go to bed. But sometimes I'm like in this mindset of, okay, I need to do this thing. And so I'm kind of like pressuring myself to do it. So how do you know when to slow down and and also like decipher of when you're really pushing yourself and when um, you want to do something? So that's something, it's a constant change in flow for me. And that's something, every time I make a post, I'm like, this is what I'm currently doing for my routine. And I get, yeah. you know, a lot of different feedback. I'm also like, just so you know, this might change tomorrow, yeah. which like it already has from other times I posted about it. Mm-hmm. So the thing that, first of all, it's a privilege to be able to stop and slow down. It's a privilege that I can make yeah. consistent money right now and still have a lot of time left over to figure some shit out and to build rest into my schedule. 
what I realized is when I work nonstop and jump from one thing to the next, I am never giving anything my full attention. So when I had four or five jobs and I would get up, for example, there was a point in time where I would get up at like 4.30 in the morning and I would try and eat food because I would because I try because I would then go teach a fitness class where I had to work out with the people. It was heated. It was brutal. Mm. I would teach like hot Pilates and then I would teach like a HIIT training and then I would run to the hills and I had two private clients in the hills. By the time that was all wrapped, it was like 10, 30, 11 a.m. I'd run home, eat food. Then I would go to my cooking client's house. I would meal prep for them for a couple hours, run home, run my dogs outside where I was like dragging them on the sidewalk to get them out fast enough, like really bad dog mom vibes, run them back inside, grab a, like a, a cliff bar and then run to school to pick up the kids I nanny and by the time I got home at nine o'clock my husband was like should we watch a show and I was like I want to die <laughs> like I'm miserable and then if I got an audition notice in there I'd be like when the fuck am I gonna fit this mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. so everything that made me happy was getting pushed yeah. and was bringing me bad vibes and I realized that when I jumped from one thing to the next like when I would have all morning to try and like do my fitness stuff my brain was already 17 steps ahead And when I was cooking, I would like burn myself because I was thinking about how fast I could get it done to get to babysitting. And it was like, and when I was with the babysitting kids and I would get an email, I would read to check it. And then the kids were like playing in the yard and they're like, get off your phone. I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't have any time to be on my phone. You don't understand. Um, And so I was never fully present at anything I was doing. And it detracted from my relationships. It detracted from myself. Um, And having the time to test schedules and to test out different things over the last couple of years has given me a lot of a lot of data to work with. So for a time period, I got up at 5 a.m. every day just to test out being a 5 a.m. girl. I didn't love it. I did it for three months. I was like, I'm just going to give it a good college try. And I did. it didn't work for me. It was not enough sleep. I was. A, it just didn't work for my schedule. And so I sort of, I like test and develop different types of schedules for myself. And I realized that if I do a ton of stuff in one day, the day before I'm super anxious because Mm -hmm. I know that tomorrow is going to fucking suck because I have six meetings and then I have a workout class and then I have an appointment, but I got to shower at some point and put on makeup and like that it gives me such anxiety. And then I suck. I don't show up for anyone. Right. So I blocked off like an hour before you and an hour after you, because I'm like, from this, I'm going to like get a workout in and then go to a voiceover job. I could fit in two more meetings today and I could like maybe make some content or whatever, but telling myself that's not the time to do that and giving myself space, I'm able to to stand here and connect with you and to like show up as me and turn off my phone because I'm not doing 500 things. And then we get better work done, you and me, like we have a better conversation. So I realized I do so much better work when I do less, Mm -hmm. when I have less on my plate in a day. And like I said, it's privileged to say it, but it's true. When I only do, I only do meetings Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now Mondays and Fridays are mine. I can do content work. I can do acting work. I'm working on creating my own schedule right now to fill that in. But, and then I have a cap. I can take three meetings a day after that. I'm a, I'm a, um, jello, <laughs> not yeah. present at yeah. all. Yeah. And it, it, it makes it tough. Cause people are like, man, your schedule is really full. And I'm like, it's not that full. I just don't have the bandwidth. Yeah. And everyone, uh, some people want to fault me that I'm not busy, but I used to be busy and I was mm-hmm. not as good of a person. 
And I, there's just no longevity in that for me. Like I keep, I the long game is something I talk about so much. And like, I've spent 11 years trying to survive in this business. And like, now I want to thrive and I got to figure out what that looks like because I can't run from 16 different appointments to an audition when I'm 65. And I want to be doing this job when I'm 65. So I need to figure out now what brings me joy and happiness and like gives me mental relief in my schedule. And that is really meant lately, like doing less, which is, it bothers me because I do want to do everything. And I want to yeah. have a TikTok and a YouTube and yeah. an Instagram and an email list and a workshop and a whatever, but I can't do them all at once and still be good. So I have yeah. to do less. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting with the surviving versus thriving just because like thriving being an actor doesn't mean you're booked all of the time. Like thriving, it means thriving in your life. An actor is one part of that. Yes. Oh my God. This is why everyone, when people wrap seasons of shows, they go on vacation for four weeks Yeah. because they can, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like because they need a breather and they need a moment. That to me is the thrive, right? Like that's, built-in rest, you know? And like, yeah. we think we have to, as act, especially actors who are listening to this right now and are like, but I haven't really booked anything yet. You still deserve rest. You still yeah. deserve comfort. You still deserve joy. And it doesn't, your acting career doesn't have to feed it. It can, and at some point it will. But if you're waiting for permission to rest and recover or take care of yourself, nobody's going to give that to you. Yeah. And during the pandemic, I started a laughter workshop and I had, yeah, it was great. And I I have uh, affirmation. I am worthy of love, joy, peace, and laughter, something something like that. Because that's when I I really did recognize, oh, I'm worthy of rest, of going out and taking a hike and yeah, not working all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you do start to get that work that happens all the time, there's less time for rest. And when actors, I have some uh, very close friends who are series regulars and who are number one, number two on the call sheet, and they're, they have less permission to rest now. So if they weren't doing it before, it's even harder for them Mm -hmm. to justify it now. And they need it now more than ever. So we have to figure out how we can bake this into our lives to where we deserve it now and not wait for permission. Totally. All in all in presence. It's like, oh, I don't have time now. It's like, well, when will you? Because that yes. that would you will always you will continue to perpetuate that you won't have time for whatever you want to have time for. For everything. Yep. A hundred percent. And then if you're like, if I don't constantly don't have time, what is important to me? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, I want to talk about your YouTube uh really quickly. Um, so <laughs> you went you went from blog to podcast, Instagram. Patreon, mm-hmm. YouTube, all of this. Um, so kind of what made you pull the trigger on YouTube? Like, because it's fun? Do you, because it will help people? Yeah. You know, I feel like I've, it's taken me the longest time to build into consistently showing up in One Broke Actress as myself, not as repeating other people's mental and inf- other information. Yeah. Um, and it's hard and it's hard to do. And I think I thought I had to do it all. And so I... I wanted to do YouTube for a long time because I don't feel like there's a lot of information of working actor life on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I search it all the time and you get like, here's this like really famous actor going to set for Netflix. Here's like this yeah. child star, like going to whatever, or you get like people who are spewing nonsense. 
or you get like, there's a few standouts. Like I love Kurt Yu who does acting career center. He's based in Atlanta. You know, there's a couple of people, but I didn't see, I love, <laughs> I'm a basic bitch. Shay, you need to know mm-hmm. this. Okay. And I love like a vlog. I love yes. to watch like people's yeah. lives for no, like I like my, my candy is like watching what I eat in a day videos, mm-hmm. which I know some people are like, that's very triggering. I love it. I'm a nosy <laughs> Nelly. I want to see like, what's in your iced coffee. I want to know like, what do you do for work? I'm, I'm fascinated yeah. by people's lives. Uh, there's yeah. a girl I watch on there. She's from Florida. She's like an orange theory trainer. No mm-hmm. idea who the fuck this girl is. Love watching her life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, re- I was like, oh, there's nobody that I've really found who does a lot of day in the life of an actor. And if they do, it's a day they go to set. Mm-hmm. They're only highlighting the highlights. Yeah. I'm like, well, what do you do on like a Tuesday when you don't have an audition, when you don't have work? And so I wanted to do that. There's also a lot of things that I have ideas for that I want to do in that would exist best in long form video. Yeah. So like this wall behind me, I painted as a self-tape wall. And I was like, I could make like a super short video about it. Or I could talk to the girl who helped me pick out the color from put me on self-tape. Mm-hmm. I could talk about that process. I could go over painting it. I could go over how many, like more intricate details. Yeah. And so I realized it could exist in a longer form video. So it, I held back from it for a long time because it felt like another thing that wasn't acting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I waited until I had the bandwidth to bring it on. And then I waited, I filmed like, I have like 10 videos just like in the wings. Mm -hmm. And so I decided instead of being like, okay, well, this is a thing. And most YouTubers release once a week. So that's what I'll do. So I was like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like a famous YouTuber. I'm just trying to put my content out in different spaces. And then that can also feed the other platforms because there's ways to proliferate one piece of content into a bunch. I was like, well... I'll just like, well, what if I did a video every other week? And I gave myself permission to do less once again. I also edited my first few and I was like, this is a lot of work. So I reached out to my assistant who does podcast editing with me. And I was like, do you want to edit video too? She was like, I love to. I was like, great. Here's more work for you. And I, I waited to do this until one broke actress makes enough money that I can pay her. Yeah. She's also a new actor. So it's cool because I get to pay an employee, an actor, yes. which is rad, which is like the dream. So I, I love that aspect of it. And now that it's not like my cash going into that, it's one broke actresses because it's a totally separate LLC because I can do that now. I think like it's worth it now. Yeah. I waited a long time in order for it to be worth it. But now that the business can pay for it, it's now going that direction. So I was really excited to start it. I am trepidatious about keeping it going. But every time I get excited about something, my biggest fear is like, what if I run out of stuff to talk about? Like when I started the Instagram, I was like, what if I, what if I run out of ideas? And it's been five years and that hasn't happened. So, (laughs) so I think I need to take that fear off the shelf. And also if I stop doing it for a while, I stop doing it for a while. Like acting's number one. And if it takes over, cool, we can always come back. Like there's no, there's this pretend rule book in all of our heads about all these things and there's nobody enforcing them. That's why it's like an open platform. So yeah, that's it. That's the YouTube right now. It's small. It's going to grow. It'll be a thing, but I'm just interested in, in seeing how much more people I can touch and reach and how many more, like I had an actor reach out to me who was so kind and she was, she's 18. She's in high school. And she was like, what do I do? I was like, well, you know, start taking acting classes. If you haven't done that, like start exploring that area. You don't have to necessarily major in it in college if that's the area you're moving to next. But like, do you like the work? 
And then from there, you can start to integrate into the business. She was like, well, I want to be super famous like Tom Hanks. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. So Tom Hanks had a black and white headshot. <laughs> so <laughs> we're not learning from Tom Hanks anymore. Like, yeah, he's a rad actor. I'd love to like, of course we want to be Tom Hanks. Of course we want to be right. Brad Pitt. Of course we want to be Julia Roberts. But they're the 1%. That's like starting a business and being like, I am Elon Musk. And it's like, yeah. okay, right. But like, what do you want to do while you reach that point? <laughs> or like, right. what if you don't reach that point? Like, what do you want to, you know? And like, I the idolizing of like that big number one top slot is really hard. So I was like, let's start with like acting. Let's start with your day-to-day life. Because I'm, some people would consider me a successful actor, but I don't think I've done that much yet. And I have a day-to-day life that looks like this. What is this person's life like? Like, let's talk about the simple things you can have under your control for now. Yeah, I love that you're able to reach, you know, these 18-year-olds who are like, I want to be super famous mm. and and can give them that. That's another reason I wanted to do the TikTok and the, uh, as well. Mm, yeah. Is like, oh, there's a lot of people who are super young on there who are like giving acting advice. That's That's not true. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> we need to reach them. We need to yeah. talk to them. And I also want to go teach at colleges. I want to take yes. my working actor workshop and take it to people who were me graduating with a BFA thinking I was 100% ready and see the financial aspects of this career and see what a day-to-day life really maintains and see what kind of mental health care I need in order to survive and do this job for the next 50 years. So that's the next goal I have is to go teach the workshop at colleges. And then colleges can pay for me instead of the individual actors. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, I have a couple more questions for okay. you. The first one, uh, what have you been, what's one thing you've been doing lately to level up? Mm, great question. I mean, is doing less, is that a, too much of a repeat answer? <laughs> I no, realized... because I mean, we, this whole podcast, this has kind of been, you know, how you're working now, um, mm-hmm. you know, on yourself. So no, I continue. Yeah. I, I, I really realized that once again, I had started to put one broke actress and fast forward, which is the podcast production company. They were taking up a lot of my time because I was getting instant validation yes. because I was getting subscribers. I was getting Patreon people. I was getting money or uh, a heart or, you know, some sort of like pat on the back, like, this is good. You're doing good work. And I had kind of let the pursuit of the acting career fall behind, which is fine because I almost needed to put my energy into these things so that now they can run themselves. I needed to teach my assistant how I work so that now she can do some of the work for me. I needed to front load that job so that it can run sort of in the background. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm trying to do a little bit less. I know it sounds like counterintuitive, but I'm actually doing less content. I'm just utilizing a lot of content pieces in different areas and I want it to be better. So I'm doing less, but better. And I am doing less like teaching, like the workshop I'm only doing uh, in the end of June and then one more in October. And then I think I'm going to completely redo the way it's done and do it like once or twice next year and have it be longer. Hmm. So it's like a multi-week workshop. I am doing a lot less in terms of like taking on new work. I'm giving more work to my assistant. And then therefore that frees me up. I, I mean, when I'm not editing, you know, five or six podcasts a week that gets me what 15 20 hours back maybe maybe 30 um and in getting that yes I do lose money which is why it took some time to get to this place where I can afford 
where the train is running enough that I can afford to pay for that work to be done outside of myself. But then I can relocate my time to, I'm just joining this group where like they read scripts once a week as a group and then they go see like the movie together. And like, that's a group of like writers and producers and like people I wanna be in the room with and working with. I'm starting to do workshops again with casting directors. I'm starting to do like, I, I'm uh, doing filming scenes every single week, even though it's not an audition, mm. um, which I didn't have time for when One Broke Actress was at the top of the list. So as I figure this out, I'm doing less in my other work so that I can front run acting. Now, does that mean I'm acting every single day? No, (laughs) no. But it means that I know what my acting tasks are for that week and I fit them in where I can. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) I love it. It's, yeah, something I... Because I, I get the same thing with this podcast. It's like when I started this podcast, I'm like, oh, God, now I'm a podcaster. But it's yeah. like, no, I, I, I love comedy and I'm a comedian and, and acting and writing. Um, and so, yeah, we tend to put these things that give us that instant validation. Oh, one episode a week. Yes. 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 And it goes out into the public and people yep. see it and you get that mm-hmm. like validation of that. Yep. Yep. 100%. I love that. Um, so... Where can we find you and support you? Uh, well, uh, everything's One Broke Actress. Yes. Um, it's One Broke Actress on Instagram, the One Broke Actress podcast, uh, One Broke Actress on TikTok, One Broke Actress on YouTube. Um, and then the Patreon is actually, I know some people have a Patreon and it just kind of like exists in the background, but like my Patreon is popping. And if you're yeah. looking for like accountability and people and like, quality ongoing content. Um, my Patreon, patreon.com slash one broke actress. We get monthly bonus podcast episodes. They get different posts from me this month. We're doing a pop-up class where we're doing a workshop with the put me on self tape girls. So they're getting a a co-star workshop. It's all about like self taping and leveling up your self tape. And then I have study hall tier of the Patreon where we do a study hall twice a month where we sit down and like all together for two hours and get actor work done. And you can read with someone or whatever it is. And that includes like a Slack channel. So you can be like, I got this weird email from my agent. What do I say? And then like the group sources the answer. You know, there's a lot to that. And then I do one-on-ones where I do work one-on-ones with actors. So those are called coffee calls. If you just need like, I need someone to look at my career and tell me what's missing or just an outside source. So yeah, so that's that's all the different. I think cool. I think that's everything. And then my podcast production company is called Fast Forward Productions, and uh, and we do women centered uh, podcasts. So yeah, I love it. Yeah, everything's popping. I love popping. it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, one last question. Okay. What advice would you give to someone who who wants to see the light in themselves that they see in others, that they like put others in, a, in a, on a pedestal, right? Like the Tom Hanks or Julia Roberts, like what advice would you, because you kind of have to see yourself as that person, right? I feel yeah. before yeah. you can kind of get to that. So what's some advice you could give them? Um, well, stop comparing yourself to other people because it's never going to be enough. I do it all the time still. And then I'm like, oh, wait. I'm subtracting 100% to myself and then I'm less setting off jealous vibes, which no one likes. That comparison, yeah. it can rob you of everything. You know, if you do a great audition, you can feel really good and then you'll see somebody else booked a job and then you feel like shit because all you got was an audition. But like yourself two years ago would have killed to get that audition. So it's mm-hmm. like, where's the line? Like when, are, yeah. when is it enough? 
you know, I watch actors all the time who book roles and they're like, yeah, it's just a commercial or like, it's just a guest star. It's only, and then they're like, well, it's just a recurring guest star. And they're like, it's a series regular, but it's for like this lesser channel. And I'm like, guys, mm-hmm. how are, so I'm, I keep saying this to my clients recently. I'm like, all the, every time that you have a victory, you have to use it as like a charge to your battery because there, no matter how good you are, no matter how good and heavy your momentum is, there will be a point in time in which nothing is coming down the pipe and you will feel depleted. And if you do not use these victories to charge your battery now, you will have nothing left at that point. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really hard to see that in this acting career, but you have to define your own victories mm-hmm. because if you wait for someone else, it's not gonna happen. No one's ever gonna be like, that's really good, you're done here never. Yeah, yeah. So if you can define your own victories and define your own, like for this week, this is what I wanted to do when I did it. That's going to help you survive much longer in this career than like only giving yourself validation for a booking. Yes, I love it. I love it. This episode has so much packed information. I can't wait to go back and edit it myself. But thank you so much for being on here. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It was an honor to meet you. And this was like super fun. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you to everybody else who's listening. This is Level Up Shea, and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please share it on Instagram and tag me at Level Up Shea and tag Sam at One Broke Actress. Go follow Sam on social media. Listen to her podcast. You can work with her through her Patreon and so much more. All of her links are in the show notes. Subscribe to Level Up Shea wherever you get your podcasts. Again, thank you so much for being here. It's time to level up.